Shall we pray? Holy Father, how magnificent is your name. Thank you, Father, for giving us the measure of health and strength to be here today to worship thee. To be united with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to praise your name. Father, you've given us a wonderful world. The majesty is shown throughout your handiwork. The beautiful fall that we have experienced, Father, just reminds us how powerful and majestic you are. And we thank you, Father, for giving us our senses to be able to enjoy these beautiful treasures that you store for us each time. Father, we are mindful that we have failures. We're mindful, Father, that we miss the mark way too often in serving you. We pray this day, Father, for strength. We pray this day for your mercy, your kindness, and your forgiveness. And we pray for strength in the days coming, Father, that we can do a better job in proclaiming your name, in proclaiming Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to this lost and dying world. And that we can be ourselves better examples by the things that we say, the things that we do, the walk and the talk that we have in our daily lives. Let us be images of Christ in the things we do and be able to impact others positively, Father, not negatively, to be able to show them our love, our kindness, and our hope for them to be able to see you. Father, we thank thee most of all for Jesus Christ, because without Christ, we would be nothing. We would have no hope whatsoever, Father. But through Jesus Christ, the shedding of his blood, As we come in contact with it through baptism, Father, we're relieved and washed from our sins. And you promise us, Father, you will never, ever remember those sins again. What a blessing. But Father, we need to continue to walk in the way, knowing that Jesus' blood will cover our sins, but we cannot sin willfully. Help us to be strong in the faith. Help us now, Father, to praise your name. Help us to be able to open our hearts to your love, your kindness, and your mercy. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness, number 190. Number 190, we'll sing first and third verses, please. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy 
thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, no mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me, pardon for sin, and a peace that endureth, thine own depressions to cheer and to guide, strength for today, and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Morning by morning, new mercies I see. How I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, on to me. If you are using a book this morning, you may want to mark our invitation song after Andy's sermon. It's 189, Grace Greater Than Our Sin, number 189. And now before Andy comes to speak to us, let's sing How Great Thou Art, number 226. We'll sing all four verses of number 226. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands hath made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. 
Went through the woods and forest glades I wander, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, and sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Good morning, church family. Glad that we can be here together today to worship God. If you're visiting with us, as has been already said, let me reiterate, we are thankful that you are here. Thanks for taking the time out of your day, out of your week, to start your week the very best way that you can. Uh, this is a great time to be a part of the Jefferson Avenue congregation, so if you're uh, a local visitor, we would certainly encourage you to come and be a part with us as we follow God and strive to be who he wants us to be. We've had 
a great weekend. Now, yesterday we had trunk or treat and had uh, tons of our kids that were there and lots of visitors, so we're thankful for that. want to make sure that you know about, if you come on Wednesday night, we've got a great Bible class uh, curriculum uh, that we're starting, and we're really encouraging everyone, uh, members to be here, visitors, if you're in town, again, come back. We're encouraging you to be uh, intentional about the Bible classes that you choose. Uh, it's easy. It's very easy. The easiest thing to do, as a matter of fact, is just to walk in a building and for a Bible class, sit down and act like you're paying attention. Uh, it's much harder uh, for there to be a slate of Bible classes to choose from and for you to actually think about, hey, what do I need to grow in spiritually and which one of these classes will help me? Uh, but every class that we'll have this Wednesday and going forward will be specifically purposed and designed to help someone wherever you're at on your walk with Christ to come and to glean and to grow more like Jesus and grow in your walk with him. So I hope that you'll be here on Wednesday nights. I hope that you'll be a part of that. And uh, look at those lists. They're in our email update. They're posted all over the place. I hope that you'll take advantage of those. If you want to be closer to God, we're trying to help you. We're trying to help you uh, be closer to God. And I think Bible class will be a great way for you to come and do that. So please uh, join us this Wednesday for that. also want to make sure that we know about another service opportunity that we have. We have uh, what we're calling uh, Project Thanks. This is the second year we've done it here. They've done it by various names, I think, previously. Uh, but Project Thanks, we've uh, gotten 10 families from a local elementary school, Sycamore Elementary, uh, that we're going to provide a uh, Thanksgiving meal to. Uh, so the sign-up list for that is right outside this, these doors down the hallway. Uh, so you can sign up for that. And we'll deliver that on November the 19th. That's the Saturday before Thanksgiving, and hope that you'll come and be a part of that delivery as well. Please come and, and help us to, to help our community uh, as we uh, strive to follow Jesus and love others. Uh, this Last week, we started a new series called Sanctified. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth there, and in chapter 6, he makes a, a long list of, hey, you guys, you guys used to be involved in some pretty serious sins. Uh, things that we would look at the list today and we would say, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to hang out with those folks. I don't know if I want to be with those people. But those are the people who came and to, began to follow Jesus. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, such were some of you. You used to be like this. This used to be your life, your lifestyle, what you were involved in, but you were washed. Those sins were washed away. But you were sanctified. But you were justified. But because of your faith in Jesus, you had the opportunity for him to declare you just, to be made right by God. And our series is called Sanctified. Where I am and where I'm going this morning, if you are a Christian, according to what the Bible says you have to do in order to become a Christian, to follow Jesus through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, if you are a Christian, I want you to know and I want you to be confident that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. Praise God, right? If you died right now as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you'd go to heaven. You are justified. You have been washed. You are sanctified, but you're also being made sanctified. You're also growing in your sanctification. And that's what our series is about. And this morning we're going to talk about, uh, well, the series we're going to talk about various specific things in our lives that we need to be sanctified. Let me back up briefly and just make sure that we know sanctification or being sanctified is the idea of being pulled out of darkness and brought into Jesus' marvelous light. That's what Peter tells us. It's to be set apart, to be removed from the world, and to be set apart to live for Jesus. And we have sanctified our lives. God has sanctified us and we are striving to sanctify ourselves, to de determine and commit ourselves to be followers of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about how we can 
sanctify ourselves in truth. And we'll talk about three points this morning, two briefly and one a little bit longer. First of all, we are sanctified in Christ. It all starts with Jesus, just like everything else does in Christianity. We're sanctified in Jesus. Secondly, we're sanctified in our mind. And thirdly, and the one that hopefully we'll spend the most time on, we're san- what does it look like to be sanctified in my life on a daily basis? Not just within these walls, not just while we're singing these songs, not while just while we're uh, at church, but as we are being the church, what does it look like to be sanctified in truth? If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17, the gospel of John chapter 17. We'll read there in just a few minutes, starting in verse 15. John 17 and verse 15 here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, let's, let's think about this idea of sanctified in truth. Now, we live in a world today that struggles even with the mere idea of truth. Is there truth? Does truth exist? Or is it just, you have your truth? You'll hear people say that, right? Well, this is my truth. You have your truth. We hear people saying that, but, and we may think that's a, that's a new thing, but the reality is it's not. In John chapter 18, in verse 38, Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, Pilate the governor of Judea, as a part of Jesus' trial as he's about to be crucified, and, and he says to him some things that are true, and Pilate asked this question 2,000 years ago. The question was still by the world. He says, what is truth? That's a question people ask today. Hey, what's your truth? What's your truth? Is there truth? Is there any such thing as truth? And we think that's a new thing, but it's not a new thing. That's been a question throughout time. Even a question in Jesus' day. Pilate asked, what is truth? We would say, well, truth's standing right in front of him, right? Truth was right there in front of him, and he, he missed it. John chapter 17, notice what Jesus says. In, in this section of Scripture, these few uh, chapters, Jesus is talking specifically with his apostles. And some of it may relate only to the apostles, but this area here, he's praying for his apostles, but he's also, he'll even say it as we read it, he's also praying for you. He's also praying for me. Let's read uh, John chapter 17, starting in verse 15. Jesus speaking here says, talking to God, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Have you ever heard that phrase, Christian, we're in the world, but not of the world? That's where it comes from. I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but they are in the world as they're in this world. Okay, let's go on to uh, verse number 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. For their sake I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, and here's where Jesus thinks about you, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they will also be, so that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. We are, first of all, if we're thinking about this idea of being sanctified, I want to sanctify myself in truth. First of all, we're sanctified in Christ. There is no other way to God except for Jesus. We believe that, and Jesus says it in John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We believe that Jesus is the way, and he says here, he's praying to God for his apostles, who would be the very first leaders of his church, but then he also prays for you. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Paul, or excuse me, Pilate asks, what is truth? And Jesus answers it, God's word is truth. If you want to know what truth is, if you want to be sanctified in truth, we've got to start with God's word. He's told us everything that we need according to life and godliness, Peter tells us. Uh, Notice also what it says, what's the reason for this sanctification in truth? Well, it brings about unity 
And it takes an example for the world. That's what verse 21 says, that they, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they may also be in us. So not only are we unified together, but we're unified with God so that the world may believe that you sent me. What does that mean? This idea of being sanctified in truth, it's, this is <clears throat> something, you know, going to church, if you've been going to church for a long time, you've, you've heard the idea of truth and the importance of truth. And, and sometimes we... We, we isolate that to the, the truth of the way we worship or the truth of the way we're saved or the truth of this or the truth of that. And those are all important things, yes. But what's sanctified in truth is this idea that, that you and I set aside our opinions when it comes to what God speaks about. I may have a different opinion on a matter than you do. You may have a different opinion on it than I do. I may have a different opinion on it than... God does. But I'm going to set aside my opinion because Jesus is my Lord. And if we do that, if we're able to do that, if we're able to to agree together, to come together, to be unified together on what God says, because God's word is truth, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth, Jesus says, then that sets an example to the world around us and say, hey, I know that person. I know how they grew up, and I know that the things that they dealt with, I know their failures, and I know their successes, and not everything they're doing now matches up with that. Some of it's better. Some of it's different, but they're unified. They've set themselves apart to follow God. Even though I may or may not understand it or agree with it, they have set themselves apart and I understand that. And then I see this other person that's also a part of this same church and they grew up very differently than that first person did. And, And there's no reason, according to the world, that these two people would get along with each other, that these two people would spend time together, that these two people would like each other. But they love each other. They care about each other. And the reason they do that is because of Jesus. The reason they do that is because they've sanctified the truth in their life. We're sanctified in Christ. Secondly, we want to be this idea of sanctified in mind. Okay, well, how this happen? I, I, want, to, I, want, to sanct, I want to be sanctified in truth. God, Jesus himself says that we need to be sanctified in truth, but, but how does that happen? Uh, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it's a verse that, that I, I reference a lot, uh, maybe, maybe too much. Uh, but but it's, it's an important foundational verse for our faith and about how we approach our faith. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Transform your mind. Transform your mind. How does that happen? Think back to the Old Testament story of, of Naaman. He's a, he's a powerful man from a foreign country and he has leprosy uh, and he has a, a servant in his house who is uh, from the, the nation of, of Israel. Uh, she's Jewish and she says, hey, I know this guy who can help you, this prophet who, back in, in, uh, in Israel and Judea who can, who can help you. And he goes and he uh, tries to see the prophet and the prophet doesn't even come see him. He sends a servant to him and says, hey, here's what you need to do. Go down to the river and, and uh, dunk yourself seven times. And what's Naaman's response? He gets upset. He gets frustrated. And his, his servant gives us a little bit of insight. Apparently, his servant comes and says to him, Hey, Naaman, if, if they had asked you to do some great thing, to go conquer a city or to go fight a, you know, a, a great warrior or do this, this great thing or that great thing, then you would have done it. Well, he's asked you to do this simple thing. Why don't, why don't you just do it? You know, when I think about, when we think about this idea of having, being transformed in our mind, <clears throat> Sometimes I think we want a grand experience. We want something really impressive. We want something dramatic. You know what God says that we need to do in order to transform our mind? 
Read his word. Oh, but Andy, that's, there's got to be more to it than that. There's not. How are you going to change your mind? How are you going to make new synapses in your brain that make you think differently and learn different things? Well, you're going to find out the information and you're going to practice that information. That's the way you learn math. That's the way you learn a new skill on a job. It's the same way that you'll learn how to become a Christian, to be more like Jesus. Listen to what he says, find out what he says, and then practice it. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to fail, you're going to mess up, and you're going to practice it some more, and you're going to fail, and you're going to mess up. You're going to practice it some more, and maybe you'll start to get a little better, but you'll fail and mess up in something else. But the idea of this transformation is not, yes, I want you to understand this. Absolutely, I believe Scripture teaches us that God is at work within us. We'll even talk about that at the end of the lesson. God is at work within you, no doubt about it. And you will never be who God wants you to be completely by yourself. It's impossible. That's why Jesus had to die for us. That's that whole grace thing. It's really important, all right? But, but while God is at work within us, he has asked us to do such a small thing. Not only to just read his word, but to think about it. And maybe even, maybe even to study it. What's the difference between reading and thinking about and studying God's word? Well, you need to understand what's going on in the world around it. You need to, you might actually have to to, to think about and and read other things about history that's going on at that time to to really help you understand, well, what does this mean and what does that look like and, and how does that apply to my life? It's easy. Many of us have done it to read a chapter a day, to follow a reading plan and to check off the box of, hey, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Fantastic. That's a great thing to do. No doubt about it. I hope that as you are doing that, as I am doing that, that we'll stop and think about what's God saying here? What does God want me to do about this? So what? What does it look like in my life? I'm sanctified in truth only in Christ. I'm sanctified in truth by my mind. I have to read, contemplate, and study God's word. I've got to do my part trusting that God is also doing his part. And thirdly, finally, and most importantly this morning, we need to be sanctified in the truth in our life. What does that look like? Well, it looks like integrity. It looks like, are you someone that people can trust? I read about a story recently, you might have read it too, I think it was on social media of some variety, but a, a preacher at the end of his sermon told his, his congregation, hey, uh, for next week's lesson, if you'll go ahead and read uh, Mark chapter 17, then you'll be, you'll be prepared for, uh, for next week's lesson. And uh, he sent them out, of course, as they went along. And then uh, the next week, uh, before the lesson started, he said, okay, I just wanted to make sure, see how many of you guys are, are you know, daily Bible readers are listening to me or are really plugged in. Raise your hand if you read uh, Mark chapter 17. And a large number of people raised their hand that they read Mark Mark 17. What's the problem with that? Well, Mark only has 16 chapters. So it'd be a little, I thought about doing that to you guys. But I didn't want to embarrass you, okay? But you might could put yourself in that situation and say, "Eh, I'm about to raise my hand, right? That's not integrity. That's not trustworthiness. What does it mean to be sanctified in truth in my life, when you, right now, when you're talking with people right after services, when you walk out these doors, when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, when you're at home with your family, when you're talking to your kids, when you're talking to your parents, your siblings, what's it mean to be sanctified in truth in my life? Let's go through some, some verses on the screen here. I'm going to read some of these to you and think about how, how these all relate to, to lies, yes, but also to gossip, to deceit and to slander. Those are all very closely related, but slightly different. 
Uh, here, th- these are mostly either me just telling you kind of what it teaches here or some paraphrases of the verses. You can write them down and read them for yourself if you like. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, The Lord hates, God hates lying. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 22, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. There's a word we don't use very much. Abomination, what's it mean? God doesn't like it. Okay, it's not good. God doesn't want you to lie. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 9 teaches us that the liar and the deceiver, listen to me, the liar and the deceiver, well, I'm not lying, I'm just not exactly telling the whole truth. The deceiver is punished and perishes. All right, let's go to the next one. In Psalm chapter 34 and verse 13, it says, guard your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. What does that mean? Guard. Why do you set a guard? Why do you set a guard? Because you're anticipating that there's a threat, Right? You set a guard because you're anticipating that there's a threat. Well, Satan is the threat. The temptation of lying is the threat. And you have to be purposeful to set a guard over your tongue so that you don't lie and you don't deceive. Psalm chapter 101 verse 7 says, uh, The one who practices deceit or lies will not dwell in God's house nor be established in his eyes. Again, God, is, God has plans for you. God has purpose for you, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, whether you've accepted that plan and purpose or whether you haven't, God has it ready and available for you. But he says, hey, if you're going to be a liar, if you're going to be a deceiver, if that's going to be a defining characteristic of who you are, then your way is not going to be established and I'm not going to be for you. Okay, let's go to the last one. Uh, John 8 verse 44 tells us who's the father of lies. Where do lies come from? Satan. In, Roman, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it teaches us this, that in eternity, uh, the place of all liars will be the same place as the cowardly, the unbelieving, murderers, sexually immoral, and others in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. It sounds to me like God takes this whole telling the truth thing pretty seriously. What does it look like to be sanctified in my life, sanctified in in truth. Let's turn to a couple other passages. Turn in with me uh, to these. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 and 2 and then verses 9 and 10. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, then 9 and 10. Uh, Paul teaching the, the, uh, the church there, he says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, if you're a Christian, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Okay, that, that sounds wonderful. I think we would all agree with that. But what does that look like specifically? Skip down to verse 9. Do not lie to one another. Since you put off the old man with its evil practices and have put on the new man who is being renewed to a full knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. We'll read a few passages throughout this series, but certainly notice this. This idea of being sanctified, it's where I am and it's where I'm going. I am sanctified and I'm being sanctified by God. Yes, you are saved, absolutely, but there is an expectation of growth in your faith. And that growth in your faith displays itself through our actions, through our deeds, through our thoughts. Okay? And he says here in verse 9 and 10, don't lie to one another. Why? Because you've put off that old man. You might have used to have been someone who, who struggled with lying. Or maybe you didn't struggle with it. You could lie anytime you wanted to. Right? It was pretty easy for you. Maybe it was even a device that you used to, uh, to avoid trouble. Or to make things easier. To not make any bumps in the road. So you just told a little lie he says don't do that anymore that's not who you are anymore you're a child of god 
You're a son, a daughter of the king. Don't do that anymore. That's not who you are. You've put on the new self. You're being renewed. Don't be, trans, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have been renewed. Turn over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read verses uh, 20 and following. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 and following. It says, But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you heard him and were taught him in just as truth is in Jesus, to lay aside, to get rid of, in reference to your former conduct, the old man, there it is again, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There it is again, the same idea. And to put on the new man, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Okay, why should I speak truth? Why should I speak truth? Because there is a connection between us. Yes, I think absolutely we could certainly say, and maybe in Colossians was talking about this idea of don't lie to one another. We are connected, and we certainly shouldn't lie to each other. But have we? Probably. Maybe just a little lie, just a little... Well, here's... I know you have, okay? Uh, people lie to the preacher all the time. Hey, how you doing today? I'm good. No, you're not. Not every time. Not every time. Is that a lie? Well, it's not the truth. Verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for the building up what is needed, so that it will give grace to those who hear. We've talked about this before. I hope, I hope it will stick with you as it, I hope it sticks with me. My words should give grace to the people who hear them. I, I'm, a, I'm a big needer of grace from God. I'm a big needer of grace from you. We're all in need of grace. So I think that, that verse, let no one hold some word, that does, clever is not just lying. But gossip, which means even if it's true, it's probably not something you should be talking about. Or deceit, well, I'm not really lying. It's not quite telling the whole truth or I'm doing it from a different angle. Or slander, talking about people in false ways. God is serious about being sanctified in truth. And not only this idea of being sanctified and saved by his word, though that is certainly important, but it looks like, what does it look like in your life? Well, are you someone who tells the truth or are you someone who tells lies? Here, here's a list of a few of the most common lies that people tell. I forgot. You ever told that one? I forgot. Yeah, I was supposed to do that, wasn't I? I forgot. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, I'll get to that tomorrow when you may have absolutely no intention at all of doing it tomorrow. How about this one? Husbands, I won't ask for you specifically, but uh, how about this? Man, you look, you look great in that. Wives, be careful what you ask. Uh, you look great in that. How about this? I got stuck in traffic when you're late. Or this one. Well, I'm on the way. When somebody calls you and they say, hey, where are you at? Oh, I'm on the way. And you actually haven't left the house yet. Anybody ever done that one before? Uh, I never got the message. You know my phone's been acting up. I heard about a phone acting up this, uh, this week. I don't think that was a lie. But uh, that's a convenient one with our, our world today. You know, I, I lost signal. I was in a bad area. Uh, how about I'm fine? 
When somebody asks you how you're doing, and you say, oh, I'm, I'm fine, we're good, everything's great. Or you're invited to something and you really have no interest in going to it, you don't want to go to it, you don't plan to go, yeah, we'll try and make that. It'd be easy for us to, to rationalize, and I think this is what we do. I think this is exactly what we do. It's easier for us to rationalize about those, oh, those aren't really, I mean, I know, I know it's not the truth, but I'm not, I'm not really lying. Those are just little things. You know, I, I say, yeah, you look great in that to avoid problems. Or, yeah, I'll try and make it to avoid a, an awkward conversation or, or this or that. We, we can rationalize and come up with, with reasons that we can say to our minds and say, yeah, I, I, I just want to, you know, make, not make things worse or make things better or avoid this or push that or, you know, not, just, not, just not, I don't want to deal with it. By the world standards, you're fine. The world doesn't probably really care that you lie that much because they're probably lying to you too. But God cares, doesn't he? Christians, we've been washed away. Our sins have been washed away. We've been justified, but though, though we do not deserve it, God, through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, has made us right. You, listen, this, this, is, this is just how amazing it is, Okay? I don't know about you, but I know about you. I definitely know about me. When I stand before the judgment seat of God Almighty, if I'm honest with myself, I don't even deserve to be there. But God looks at me through the blood of his son and says, you're my child. I'm justified. I'm sanctified. God has said, now that you're my child, I've got some things I really want you to do. I've got a way I really want you to live. I want you to be someone who helps people. I want you to be someone who serves. I want you to be someone who loves. I want you to be someone who tells the truth. So yeah, it's, it's easy for the, the world and because we're in the world and sometimes we forget that we're not of the world, it's easy for us to rationalize, oh, that's not really that big of a deal. God says, absolutely it's a big deal. What if God lied to us in a little way? We'd be pretty upset, wouldn't we? God expects us to tell the truth. The question should be, instead of how much can I get away with or how far can I stretch this, what, well, how, how far can I go before I cross the line of a lie, the question should be, how can I honor God with my honesty? How can I honor God with my honesty? When my wife asks me a tough question, how can I honor God with my honesty? At work, when telling the truth might not make me look good in the eyes of the boss, how can I honor God with my honesty? When I get pulled over and they say, hey, do you know how fast you were going? How can I honor God with my honesty? How can I honor God because of his sacrifice for me with my honesty? Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's read verses 23 and 24 one more time. It's on the screen if you want to look there. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Two things that I want to leave you with from that verse. First of all, God wants every bit of you. God wants your body. God wants your spirit. God wants your soul. God wants everything that encompasses who you are. He doesn't want an ounce less. He wants 
all of you. He gave it all. His life. And he asked you to live for him. And then he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. You are sanctified. You're being sanctified. And notice what it says, that last part. How in the world can I do that? How in the world can I give myself? How in the world can I make sure in every aspect of my life I am sanctified, I am dedicated to living for God completely? Well, you don't have to do it by yourself. Notice the last part. He who calls you is faithful. God wants that and says, and I'm going to do it. And Paul tells us, he will surely do it. This morning, it would be understandable if you would be slightly embarrassed to come forward and say, hey, I really struggle with telling the truth. So I don't know. I doubt we'll have anybody come forward and say that. But do you struggle with telling the truth? You struggle with little white lies? You struggle honoring God with your honesty? Then make it right. Admit that to God. Ask Him to forgive you. And then go and sin no more. And no, you won't do that perfectly. But you can do it faithfully. Trusting that He will surely do it. God wants you to go to heaven more than you want to go to heaven. God wants you to live for him, and he's the one who can make that happen. Do your part and know that God is at work within you. This morning, if if you're not a Christian, then these promises that we've been talking about that Christians have, you don't have part of those yet. The Bible teaches us that if you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God, you'll name him as the Lord of your life, the the Lord of all creation. But what that means is the things that I do, I'm not going to do because I want to do, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what God wants me to do now. That's, That's repentance. And then you submit to baptism where all your sins are washed away and you are washed and you are sanctified and you are justified and you rise up a new person. You've put off that old self and you're becoming a new person. God has completely washed away your sins. And now you are striving to follow him every day. And just like me and just like everyone in this room, you will fail miserably. And God will say, get up. I forgive you. Let's keep going. All the way to heaven. All the way through this life. If you want that this morning, it's available to you, not because I offer it, because God does. We'll be happy to help you sit down and study God's word with you. Sanctify yourself into truth. God's word is truth. If you need anything this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.